There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Spark. We tell true stories. We tell them live. And we tell them across the UK. This story was told by Dennis at our night at the Hackney Attic when the theme was holidays. Um, so when I uh, was in Kenya, between the ages of three and 14, um, I was different because I was a foreigner. The Swahili word for foreigner is mkimbizi, which means uh, refugee, roughly translated, as a refugee from Uganda. So my childhood, I didn't belong. Uh, we moved to England when I was 14. And uh, in high school, I was the kid with a funny accent. Uh, so all through my high school years, I didn't quite belong. I went to a sixth form college in Harrow, which if you, if you Google where the college is, it's right next to where they shot Harry Potter. Uh, uh, so uh, a, a clear example of what it was like, I walked into the common room one day, and uh, three people took their phones off the table and stuck them in their pocket. So in high school, in college, I was different. I looked different, so I didn't belong. Uh, I went to uni. It was loads of fun, loads of booze, loads of drinking, loads of dancing. It was good. It was cool. Uh, somewhere in the whole MLA, um, uh, I decided to go and train to be a vicar. And uh, as I uh, uh, was at theological college, uh, the voice of my mother was ringing in my head. You don't know who you are until you go to Uganda. So year one, I booked my flight. And uh, short, uh, long story made shorter. Um, I'm in Dubai. I look around. It's quite amazing. I'm like, this airport is humongous. We get on this little plane. It was a nice plane getting us to Dubai. It was not so nice a plane getting us to uh, <laughs> Kampala. We get out, and Tebe Airport is, uh, is, is tiny. It's tiny. And uh, I'm in this plane with a lot of British people, actually. Um, uh, most of them going to do some sort of charity work somewhere in, <laughs> in Uganda. I found this out in the queue because like, I, I don't belong. So I talk to people on the train. <laughs> and I talk to people in queues, which is just not the thing. Um, <laughs> I've come to learn after a long while. Uh, <laughs> so we're in the queue. Um, my uncle... Um, I shouldn't really tell you this, but that's fine. He runs the intelligence services, so he knew that I was coming without me knowing um, uh, and sent someone to get me from the queue to get me through customs. So uh, even at the airport in Entebbe, I couldn't queue with everybody else. Um, 
we uh, rushed, we went through the, the thingies uh, around to the main sort of area, passed through all the security places. No one searched me. I could have brought anything. Um, and uh, find myself in the back of this big 4x4 being driven very fast down this road and cars parting out the way for us to get through because it's like a marked uh, vehicle. Uh, I realize I'm hungry. So I say to him, I say, hey, mate, I'm hungry. He goes, let's stop and eat. And I'm thinking, okay, we'll find a nice place to go and eat. He pulls over next to a shack. I'm like, there are loads of shacks on this road. There's no pavement. We've just pulled onto dust. It's a bit weird. Uh, I'll just go with the flow because this is what's going on. Somehow in this whole process, I'll find out who I really am. <laughs> so we stop. I get out of the car. Uh, he walks me around to this place where there's tables outside. I sit outside and I'm mobbed by flies. Now, I've been in England by the time I went for like 13, 14 years. I've not seen that many flies and these flies are like proper on steroids, like, it's like this is really sort of wedge flies. Uh, so <laughs> we sit at the tables and uh, the guy's like, what are you going to eat? I was like, I don't even know what people are eating here because I, I can't see a menu. So he's like, don't worry, I'll order you something. So they, they, he orders something, says something to the lady in a language I don't understand. She goes, she comes back with a plate. It's got potatoes, it's got a banana. Uh, like uh, there's a type of banana you eat there. It's not like the one you have with breakfast and things like that. It's got fish, it's got chicken. And I'm thinking this is a mad mix. And then it's got salad on the side. And um, uh, he tells me that I need to go wash my hands. So I, I sort of step up and walk around the shack. And just next to the shack, there's a big sort of jerry can with a tap. And you open the tap and the water drips. So I was like, okay, washing my hands, a small drip of water. Come and I sit down, I eat. And uh, at the end of eating, I, I sort of, I don't have any sort of money in the currency because I didn't sort of change it. Um, he pays for the meal. We jump back in the car and I'm thinking, this is a bit wild, shooting down the, the road. Um, it's weird because here, every car has headlights. And if you indicate right, you're turning right. If you indicate left, you're turning left. There, if you indicate left, you're telling people how wide the car is. <laughs> I'm there for three weeks. Over the three weeks, I slowly get the realization I don't fit in. So after three weeks, I'm with my ticket back at the same Entebbe airport, about to board a plane. And it slowly sort of hits me. Um, it's fine. I don't have to. Uh, weird me is a gift to the planet, really. Um, and uh, that's uh, been uh, a resource to me since. Um, I have tried to find this thing that people call home and this thing that people call belonging, uh, this thing that people call self, and um, I can't find it being defined by others. Thanks for listening. That was Dennis. Next up, Andre. With another story about holidays. Enjoy. I'm going to tell you a story about uh, a holiday that happened when I was, I think I was about nine. <clears throat> now, to set this up, you need to understand something about what was happening for me when I was nine. That the biggest thing in my life, and as far as I was concerned, the biggest thing in the universe when I was nine was dinosaurs. <laughs> okay, dinosaurs. 
now, obviously, you know, the, the closest I could get to these creatures was either illustrations in a book about dinosaurs or, and this, this is really what, you know, we're coming to in this story, uh, bits of dinosaur that are stuck in bits of rock on the south coast of England. And that's where I was in this holiday. I was on the south coast of England in a place called Bracklesham Bay. Uh, it's a very nondescript place. I wouldn't expect you to have heard of it. Maybe you have, but that's where we ended up. For several years on the, on the trot, actually, going to a chalet in Bracklesham Bay. Now, somewhere near there, there were lots and lots of uh, great places to hunt for these dinosaur relics on the beach. And I was over the moon that this was a chance for me to go out and pick up these little bits and pieces with like a, a vertebrae in, maybe, or a bit of wing, or maybe a beak, or maybe it was just a funny shape in a rock that I just interpreted to be something from millennia ago. But for me, it was a big deal. And so what I did was, over the course of about two weeks, I collected... Uh, quite a few of these rocks with bits and pieces in. And I, I basically put them in a row on my windowsill in my bedroom. And, I, I mean, it was a big deal for me because I'd never actually gone out and, and acquired these things before. For me, it was just pictures in books. The other thing that probably needs to be said to set the context for this is that I didn't really get on very well with my family. Um... In fact, I was essentially living a parallel life to the rest of my family, which was mostly in my own head. Um, kind of comprised by things like reading C.S. Lewis, uh, fantasy adventure stories, uh, watching um, Department S on TV. I don't know why I'm saying that, but it, you know, it was part of the melange of what I was into at the time. And... Uh, but anyway, there I was, a nine-year-old, and I'd acquired all of these precious, infinitely precious pieces and artefacts from millennia ago when dinosaurs ruled the earth. And um, I had them all on the windowsill in our chalet. And then one day, I came back from the beach where I was you know, playing with my brother uh, and my parents, I say playing, it was more like parallel play, really, where you know, he'd be doing his thing over there, I'd be doing my thing over here, and we wouldn't really kind of connect the two together. So uh, unless he came and tried to kick my castle down or something like that, which you know, ended up in a tit-for-tat kind of reprisal system um, of kicking each other's castles down. Anyway, so there we were on the beach having a lovely time <laughs> in uh, a kind of windy, rainy August, usually. Um, and then I went back for tea uh, at about five o'clock and discovered that all of my artefacts had been removed. I mean, even now saying it, it <laughs> it's like time stood still. And I, I looked at this windowsill, there's nothing there. And it was like, hang, no, that's what, no, I mean... They, how could that be that they were there and then they disappeared? So I, um, of course, obviously confronted my brother. That was the obvious uh, place to go, first of all. And he just kind of smiled at me in a very knowing way and a rather sly way, I thought, as well. 
but was not confessing to any knowledge of what had happened to these dinosaur parts. And I was pretty convinced he'd moved them, that he'd stolen them and done something with them. So then I spoke to my parents and I was really getting quite upset by this stage. I was getting quite tearful. And because you have to understand that this was my little world that I went into to escape from the world of my family. And um, suddenly this world had been removed from me and I had no backup plan. This was all I had was these little bits and pieces from millennia ago of wings and bits of dinosaur. Anyway, getting a bit carried away now. Um, <clears throat> hold it back. It's okay. So there I was sort of talking to my parents about this and they said these words which I still remember to this day which was it's only bits of rock yeah it's only bits of rock I couldn't believe it only bits of rock only my soul that's just been stolen by my brother who you don't even believe did anything so anyway, uh, what I'm getting to in this is that I really kind of had built up this other world through these little bits of rock. Later on, it became other things. Um, I suppose eventually it became stuff to do with uh, stories and theatre and films and stuff like that. But at that time, this was it. And it had been removed from me, forcibly removed. And I... Th eventually discovered that my brother had put them in the bin um, and the dust cart had come and taken the bin away but there was one rock left in the bottom of the bin as evidence so I sort of pulled this rock out and like showed it to my parents there's the rock there's the proof he put it in the bin and again it was why are you getting so worked up it's only a bit of stone calm down it doesn't really matter does it so my reprisal was to not speak for the following 24 hours until there was a bit of a mistake at one point after a few hours of this where my mother asked if I wanted baked beans on toast for tea and I said yes um, and then I couldn't really go back after that so I had to start speaking so the whole thing got blown really but yeah this was, this was really the first time that, like, somebody came and stole my dreams. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Spark True Stories. If you love what we do, please help us spread the word by leaving us a review on iTunes. For more true stories and to see a live event, head to Stories. .co.uk Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.